and welcome to Talking General Practice, the podcast from GP Online. I'm Emma Bauer, the editor of GP Online. Today on the podcast, I'm asking how does being a GP in the UK compare with other countries? Coming up, I'm talking to Jake Beach from Think Tank, the Health Foundation, who co-authored a recent report analysing the findings of the latest Commonwealth Fund survey of GPs in 10 high-income countries. In this conversation, Jake explains how general practice in the UK compares with other countries on issues such as job satisfaction, workload, personal well-being of GPs, how care is delivered and how general practice works with other services. He also discusses some of the wider implications of the survey's findings. I'm joined now by Jake Beach, who is a policy fellow at the Health Foundation. Jake mainly works on primary care, providing policy analysis, research and commentary Prior to joining the Health Foundation, he was a researcher at the King's Fund, where he had a particular focus on general practice. Jake is a co-author of a Health Foundation report published in March this year, which looked at the findings of the Commonwealth Fund survey of nearly 10,000 GPs in 10 high-income countries, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Jake. Thank you so much for having me, Emma. It's a pleasure to be here. First of all, can you explain a bit about the Commonwealth Fund survey and what it looks out? and what the Health Foundation has been looking at as part of the report you published. Absolutely. So this is a survey that takes place every three years. And as you say in your introduction, it has about 10,000 GPs in it or their equivalents across 10 high income countries. So the 2022 survey included the UK, along with the US, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the Netherlands, France, Germany, Switzerland and Sweden. So high income countries. And it's about 10,000 GPs, uh, about 1,000 of which are GPs working here in the UK. Uh, And the fieldwork for the survey took place between Feb and May 2022 last year. And so the report is broken down into three sections. So perhaps it's worth looking at each of them in turn. I mean, the one that gained the most attention, I guess, in in the media was the section on how GPs view their job. This looked at things like GPs' satisfaction with their job, stress, burnout, time with patients. What did you find overall job satisfaction among GPs was like? And how did that compare with other countries? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. So GP job satisfaction in the UK is low compared to the other countries in the survey. So around 24% of GPs in the UK say they are extremely or very satisfied with practicing medicine. That's similar to GPs in France, but it's lower than all the other countries in the survey. If we flip it and look at the percentage of GPs who say they are slightly or not at all satisfied, again, the UK has a bit of a gloomy picture. The UK has the highest percentage, 27% of GPs saying they are slightly or not at all satisfied with practicing medicine. And that's alongside New Zealand. So whichever way you cut it, the UK GP satisfaction is low compared to most other countries. Which issues did the survey show were causing GPs in the UK concern and and sort of impacting on their job satisfaction? So the survey looks at a couple of different areas. We don't look at particularly the drivers of overall satisfaction. We don't get into kind of the factors driving that kind of overall satisfaction picture I gave you. But we do ask about satisfaction with particular areas of general practice. For example, admin, time spent with patients, income, things like that. So admin comes out as quite a a strong area where GPs have low satisfaction. So about 83%, 8 in 10 GPs of the UK say they are slightly or not at all satisfied with the amount of time they spend on administrative work. And 59% of those say they are not at all satisfied. So admin is obviously a big driver of dissatisfaction in this survey. And time spent with patients, of course, an important topic for both patients and GPs, uh, also comes out as an area where UK GPs are not particularly satisfied. 
So again, UK GPs have low levels of satisfaction with the amount of time they spend with patients. Just 7% of GPs here in the UK feel they are extremely or very satisfied the amount of time they get to spend with patients. And that's at a level about the same as Germany and lowest uh, among the 10 countries surveyed. One of the things that obviously we know is a real problem in general practice in the UK, and we talk about on the podcast a lot, is the level of work. The report also looked at the hours worked across the week and the numbers of patients seen. We know that this is a real challenge in the UK, but was it were we particularly worse than other countries? I mean, and did the survey provide any kind of sense of whether the pandemic has impacted on this? Yeah, so when we look at the questions around work-life balance, you again, you see a sort of a similar picture. So GPs in the UK are among the least likely to be extremely or very satisfied with their work-life balance. Only 11% say they are one of those two things. And when you look at workload, you also see that about four in five GPs, 79%, say they are slightly or not at all satisfied with their workload. So again, workload is coming through as kind of a major source of, of low satisfaction there. And when you ask questions about the workload compared with before the pandemic to present, so workload has increased uh, for a majority of GPs in all countries in the survey compared with pre-pandemic. But the particulars of the UK, we seem to be at a particularly sort of acute situation. We're at the sharp end. So UK GPs alongside those in Germany are the most likely to say their workload has increased a lot or somewhat compared with before the pandemic. So 91% of UK GPs say that their workload has increased with compared before the pandemic. Um, and that compares with other countries. For example, Switzerland, only 56% say that their workload has increased before the pandemic. So workload seems to have increased for a majority of GPs across all of the countries in the survey. But when you look at UK, when you look at Germany, you see the problem is particularly sharp and acute in those countries. One of the things we also write a lot about is burnout and stress in general practice. We know it is kind of a really serious problem in the UK. What sort of things came up in the survey about that? And are we worse than other countries? Or is it a problem that affects general practice across all countries? So you see sort of high levels of stress across a lot of the countries in the survey. And you see an increase in stress over time within these countries as well. So primary care does appear to be under pressure across all of these high income countries. But again, looking at the picture in the UK, it's particularly acute, it's particularly striking. So looking particularly at the UK, stress is at about 71%. So 71% of GPs in the UK say they are extremely or very stressed at the moment. And again, that's similar to, to Germany, but higher than all of the countries in the survey. And again, so although stress has increased in all of the countries, it's particularly acute here in the UK and in Germany. As you see across time, stress in the UK is actually up 11% compared to 2019. So we're 11 percentage points higher than we were in 2019. This stress seems to be increasing over time and is at very high levels at the moment. It sounds like Germany and the UK are quite similar. Do we have any sense about why that is? This survey gives us uh, a picture of a bit of a temperature check. It gives us the sort of state of play in these countries at this time. And you see these results. It's a little tricky to get at the drivers because the different healthcare systems are so different, because there's a lot of contextual factors here. Primary care is set up and, and administered and financed in different ways in these different countries. It's hard to get at some of these, and the picture is quite complex. So we can't say for certain what's driving some of this, but the survey just sort of kind of gives a glimpse into the, the experiences of GPs across these 10 high-income countries at the moment. Did you find anything specific about sort of the mental health challenges facing GPs? So one of the questions we ask about is uh, emotional distress. And unfortunately, a substantial number of GPs in all countries have experienced emotional distress, such as anxiety, great sadness, anger, feelings of hopelessness over sort of the course of the last few years. 
Unfortunately, GPs in the UK, about 63%, and in New Zealand are the most likely to say they've experienced this kind of emotional distress. And uh, you also see a sort of um, a gender breakdown there. So more women report experiencing those feelings of emotional distress than men. So male GPs, less than female GPs here. One of the other things the survey looked at was quality of care and whether GPs felt that the quality of care they were delivering was better or worse than before the pandemic, as well as the quality of care sort of provided across the healthcare system as a whole. What did the results for that show? Again, it's an interesting picture. So half of GPs in the UK think the quality of care they are able to provide their patients has worsened either somewhat or a lot compared with before the pandemic, while only 14% think it has improved a lot or somewhat. And this is similar to perceptions from GPs in Sweden, where 49% think it's worsened, and New Zealand. But it is more negative than all other countries in the survey. And when you ask about sort of the overall quality of the healthcare system, it's not just the care they're providing, but the quality of care across, for example, in the UK, the NHS, GPs are particularly worried again. Uh, So over half of GPs in most countries believe the overall quality of medical care their patients receive throughout the healthcare system has gotten worse since the start of the pandemic. But GPs in the UK, New Zealand, France and Canada are the most likely to think care policy has deteriorated, while in the US and in Switzerland, they are the least likely. So again, it's not just sort of an issue that GPs are seeing in their own practice, but they also are suggesting that care quality has gotten worse in the wider NHS as a whole. That's perhaps not surprising, really, given like massive waiting lists and and things like that that we're contending with at the minute. Some of this seems a bit negative so far, but there were some sort of positive findings in the survey, weren't there? I mean, the next section looked at how GPs are providing care. What were the kind of key findings on this around UK GPs? The results are, are again, quite interesting in this area, and it, and it does present a mixed picture. And it's nice to counterbalance this sort of quality of care section with some of the, the messages we're hearing from the, the stress and workload questions. So I think it's probably fair to say that although there is a lot of pressure on general practice, both here in the UK and internationally right now, the picture in the UK around quality of care and the quality of care GPs say they can provide in particular areas and some of the other things around online access, for example, they do provide sort of rays of light there as well. And you can see that although foundations are creaking, there are some strengths here with UK general practice. Were there any particular areas where we see UK GPs or general practice in the UK performing better than other countries then? And what, what were those? So a high proportion of GPs feel well prepared in the UK to manage patients with long-term conditions and with mental health needs. And looking at the, the questions and responses for feelings of preparedness for caring for patients living with dementia, uh, for palliative care, the UK is ahead of a lot of other countries in that respect. So we're particularly strong in those two areas, caring for patients living with dementia and palliative care. You can also see, as I mentioned earlier, that online access and access to GP services sort of online, things like ordering prescriptions online, use of data to inform care, whether that's patient satisfaction surveys, whether it's other patient reported outcome measures, whether it's other sources of data in the practice. Again, the UK is ahead of a lot of other countries in those areas. I think only the US ties with the UK in some of those. So again, we have really strong foundations around use of data and in particular areas of chronic condition management. You've touched on that there about how appointments are delivered and that GPs are delivering the most consultations remotely of any of the countries in the survey. Does the survey give you a sense about what GPs think about this, GPs in this country? Do they think that's a positive thing? For telehealth, yes. So you see in the survey an interesting picture. So about 60% 
of appointments. And again, this is GP self-reporting in the survey. About 60% of appointments were done remote and 40% were done face-to-face. New Zealand, for example, was the next closest with around 60% done face-to-face and 40% remote. And then the other countries in the survey reported higher levels of face-to-face appointments between 60 and 80% or or higher in some cases. We tried to triangulate in the report this with uh, other sources of data. And actually, if you look at, for example, the data from CPRD or the NHS digital appointments data, you can actually see the percentage of face-to-face appointments in the UK may have actually been higher than the self-reports in this survey. So that's something to bear in mind. But as to why... The UK perhaps is a bit of an outlier in terms of use of telehealth. Well, there's a few clues that we do get through the survey. UK GPs report high satisfaction with using telehealth, higher than many other countries. They also report that they feel telehealth and remote consultations help with the timeliness of care. They also report they feel it's appropriate for, for example, mental health conditions. They're the most likely to report that that's the case. And they also, interestingly, report ease of implementation. So they're among the most likely to say that implementation of a telehealth platform was quite easy during the pandemic. So that may go some way. But I should say the UK is not alone in that. You know, other countries also have high levels of satisfaction with using telehealth, for example. So the picture is quite complicated. It's probably a combination of different factors. For example, the regulatory environment, uh, the guidance that was issued, the phase of COVID countries were in at the point during the survey. And I think this is probably an area where we really need to do more research uh, to understand better, you know, kind of the optimal use of telehealth who to use it for, access, what's best for patients and staff, different patient groups, for example, and really kind of get under the skin to find the right balance rather than straight comparisons with other countries. It's a very complex picture. It does suggest, though, that we are in this country perhaps one of the leading countries on this, which is really potentially quite a positive thing. The report has some interesting discussions about what more remote consultations could mean. I was wondering if you could talk through some of that perhaps. I think the evidence out there at the moment is still growing. We've got some evidence from the pandemic, but now as we try to embed these telehealth systems and remote consultations for the future, we're really starting to only begin thinking through you know, what this looks like, what the current status quo is, what it means, and locking in the good practice, but maybe getting rid of some of the things that we did do in the pandemic that you know were good in a crisis, but perhaps needed to be changed. So I think when thinking about telehealth going forward, I think the the evidence on quality and cost isn't necessarily clear. There's some indication of some safety risks, for example. But again, the evidence is very much sort of a work in progress in those areas. But of course, as we see in the results of this survey, there are also perhaps positive indications around timeliness, access. I think it's going to be a a complicated picture going forwards. There probably isn't a one size fits all around telehealth. I think the key message will be to kind of do it in a considered way uh, that works for both staff and patients and making sure everybody gets the best out of this going forwards and doesn't sort of embed health inequities, for example. Definitely. The final section of the report looked at how GPs work with other services. So what were some of the key takeaways from that section for UK GPs? Yeah, absolutely. So the UK generally performs well compared with other countries in terms of communication between GPs and secondary care. But there are some areas where the UK perform slightly more poorly. For example, the timeliness of GPs receiving results from a specialist visit and information from secondary care to help manage patients after they are discharged from hospital. So the communication does happen, and that's a good thing, and it's strong compared with other countries, but the timeliness is where we perhaps are are less good compared with other countries. So that's one area. Obviously, that's the link between primary and secondary care. But of course, there are other community services, social services, the BCSE sector that general practice colleagues work closely with. And there are some questions in the survey that ask about that. 
And again, it, it does highlight some major challenges for the group of organisations in the community who are working together to support patients. So 63% of UK GPs say that a lack of follow-up from community and social services is a major challenge to coordinating care, and that's significantly higher than the other nine countries in the survey. So again, it suggests perhaps a pressure and a lack of capacity in these other wider services that support patients out in the community with GPs. And you also see that the majority of GPs, about 55%, say inadequate staffing to make referrals and coordinate care with social services organisations is a major challenge. So again, it speaks to that kind of pressure. And 52% of GPs consider the amount of paperwork a major challenge when coordinating with social services out there in the community. So again, it's a picture that suggests that there is pressure on these other services and also needs to be kind of addressed when we're thinking about the pressures in general practice. The kind of challenges of communicating, I think, across services is one of the big problems and the admin and bureaucracy. I mean, it probably speaks to some of those comments you made earlier about the fact that people were really fed up with the amount of paperwork they have to do. I think people are quite surprised to hear we perform better with um, communication between primary and secondary care. The discussion in the report says that the survey paints a pretty grim picture of general practice and that it should ring alarm bells for the government. The report does make some broad suggestions of things that could help. And I was wondering if you could talk through some of them. Yes. So from our perspective, I think decisive policy action is needed to improve the working lives of GPs. You see it in the results of this survey. You know, there's high levels of stress, low levels of satisfaction. And all of this needs to be considered against the wider picture of the workforce challenges in general practice. So other Health Foundation research suggests that by 2030-31, you know, GP vacancies may be at a level of one in four or the equivalent of one in four. And in a pessimistic scenario, it could be as high as one in two. And of course, there will be an element of training in there. And we see numbers of GP trainees are going up. But retention is obviously a key part of that and making general practice an attractive place to work. So I think addressing some of these challenges in general practice will require boosting GP capacity, reducing workload, and again, focusing on that sort of retention pieces. Uh, Policymakers sort of considering options for primary care reform need to consider the strengths of general practice. So I've outlined a couple here, for example, around use of data, caring for patients living with dementia and palliative care. So there are real, real strengths, and I'm sure there are more that we get at sort of in the survey. So any, any sort of elements of reform needs to sort of consider those and sort of go with the profession rather than against it, I would say. Given retention is such an important element of this entire picture, it sort of makes sense to ensure that everybody's sort of on the same page going forwards with all of this. Definitely. I mean, retention is obviously the quicker win than training up loads and loads of new GPs. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Jake. Well, thank you very much, Emma. It's been great to be with you here. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to Jake for taking the time to talk with me this week. If you're enjoying our podcast, please do think about giving us a rating. And you can subscribe to Talking General Practice wherever you get your podcasts. I'm back next week, so please do join me then. In the meantime, don't forget you can keep up to date with the latest news and access a wealth of other resources on our website at gponline.com. 